My name's Angelo and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm gonna walk through the entire UFC Vegas 61 Dern versus Jan fight card. I'm gonna give you my picks, my predictions, and my bets. But before I jump in, become a premium member. All of the bets I'm about to walk through have already been up there for premium members. The same as my picks, the same as my notes, and everything else. And the reason that's so important is because you can get ahead of some of this line movement and get yourself some closing line value. Also included with premium membership is a DraftKings optimizer, all sorts of tools. We rate fighters by salary group and everything you could ever need to want to make some money watching fights. Go to weonpicks.com at the top, click, become a member. It is only $10 a month, $10 a month. That means you can have a few bad weeks, have one decent week, and bang, membership is covered for basically a full year. Weonpicks.com at the top, click, become a member. And we're coming off the heels of UFC Vegas 60. Kind of a tricky card for a lot of people. I broke even with bets. I think Jacob lost a few bucks. The picks were solid. It was kind of all over the map, but prize picks continues to be a cash cow for us. So does Monkey Knife Fight. And some of our members did have success. Mike at Real Battle Sauce turned $600 into $2,400 and gave us the shout out for that. And then a few other shout outs, not directly from last night, but regarding prize picks and a few other things. And as I mentioned, Prize Picks continues to be a cash cow, and why it's important to be a premium member for Prize Picks is those lines move throughout the week as well. And this is the last week we will be giving away our Daniel Rodriguez sign poster only for premium members this week. So this week we're doing the draw. So make sure you sign up and become a premium member as soon as possible so that when we do this giveaway, you qualify. Again, wewantpicks.com at the top click become a member. It is $2.50 a week. And if you followed every single one of my bets and Jacob's bets since the day we started this, you would be up an enormous amount of money, an enormous amount of money. I think overall we're up like 20 some odd units, 30 some odd units, something insane like that. If you copied every bet from day one to today, and that includes all the losses. So again, we want picks.com at the top click, become a member. It's $2.50 a week. That's literally less than a coffee a week. You get the picks, you get the bets, you get the raw notes, you get the DraftKings player ranking, you get the DraftKings optimizer, and now you can link your Discord to get instant, immediate updates and notifications for when bets are placed and content is updated. We on picks.com at the top click, become a member. And then finally, anybody who wants 50 bucks for free, all you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up with any one of the partners on that page, make a deposit, and I will send you $50 as a thank you. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up with one of our sportsbook partners, make a deposit, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. Let's go ahead and jump into this card. So... It's 14 fights. There's been a little bit of shuffling. There's some last minute guys. There's some short notice replacements, all sorts of stuff going on here. But overall, it's a decent fight night card. And opening it, at least for now, we got Mike Davis taking on Vaishlav Borshev. And Mike Davis is coming back after a year and a half away, but he has had a handful of canceled fights in between since his last win in 2021. So I'm assuming he's been in shape and he has been training. Style-wise, he's a fast athletic striker with very real power. His kicks are incredible, and he will double-tap the body and then go straight to the head before putting that foot back on the mat. 
He's incredibly well-rounded and has showcased that in his last two fights, he can wrestle as well. He's got a combined five takedowns in those two fights. Vyacheslav Borshev is a fantastic striker. He's got legitimate professional kickboxing career before he transitioned to MMA. And he has a great jab, solid power, and fantastic kicks. And this is sort of like a Rafael Fizayev situation where he's a fighter and a coach. He's the team alpha male striking coach. And he's coming off his first UFC loss, and that was a grappling loss to fellow kickboxer Mark Dacasey. And essentially, Mark was just so positive that he was going to lose the striking exchanges that he turned into a grappler for that fight. And the takedowns are what worry me here, right? We know Mike Davis does have takedowns, and we know Vaishlav has been taken down multiple times in every single one of his UFC fights. Dakota Bush took him down twice, Chris Duncan took him down twice, and Mark Dacasey just took him down an insane 11 times. And not to mention that Vaishlav is taking this on somewhat short notice. So I expect Vaishlav to be the more technical striker, but Mike's going to be the more well-rounded fighter. And given the short notice, I think he gets it done, right? I think Mike's going to look to wrestle early. That should exhaust Vaishlav and in turn, take some sting off those punches and, and probably get this to the ground. So Mike Davis is the pick, but obviously he's going to need to get the takedowns to get this done. Then we have Jessica Panay taking on Tabitha Ricci. And Jessica Panay's been around for a while. She's been fighting since 2006. That is 16 years of experience. And during that time, she's definitely picked up some skills and she's become a pretty well-rounded fighter. She's not great at any one thing, but she does have okay boxing and solid grappling. She took a four-year layoff in 2017 and she has come back to win two fights in the UFC since then. Style-wise, she likes to come forward. She'll be pretty technical and she'll pressure you. If she can get a takedown, then great, but she does have a very low 21% takedown accuracy, and she went 0 for 8 in her last fight against Emily Ducate. Tabitha Ricci is a very good grappler, and she's always looking for a submission, but she doesn't sacrifice position for that chase. She's very heavy on top with good pressure and control. She will ground and pound on top as well, and that'll create some scrambles, and that's what opens her opponents up for the submission. She made her UFC debut against Manaferro on short notice, so that's the loss. That was a rough go at it, but that was at 125 pounds, and her natural weight class is 115. And she's had a very solid pair of dominant performances since then. Tabitha Ricci should absolutely dominate this fight. She averages almost four takedowns per fight. Panay has a very low 40% takedown defense. Panay will have the experience and sort of the veteran savvy on her side, but I don't think it matters here, right? I think she spends the entire fight defending takedowns and submissions. I love Ricci in this spot. I got a money line bet on her at minus 150 which premium members, you have seen that for almost a week now, that line has already moved. I expect Tabitha Ricci to close at more than a two to one favorite, if not beyond that. So premium members, you saw that bet. I do recommend you tail it. I'm very, very confident in Tabitha Ricci. And as people get over football Sunday and start to settle in and start to do their research for this fight card, they're gonna pound that line and it's gonna move big time. So go to wewantpicks.com at the top, click become a member. It is only $10 for an entire month, for an entire month. That's three or four fight cards, depending on that month. And that's plenty, plenty of opportunities to pay for itself. We want picks.com at the top click, become a member, $2.50 a week, $10 a month, basically nothing for picks, bets, DraftKings optimizer, DraftKings plays, prize picks plays, and everything else you could ever need to make some money watching these fights. I'm all over Tabitha Ricci. You should be as well. 
Then we have Maxim Grishin taking on Felipe Linz. Maxim Grishin is a striker who throws in combinations, but he loves sitting on a big right hand. He does an amazing job of waiting and then rushing forward with a combination when there's an opening. And as soon as he senses you're out of a rhythm or off balance, he will attack. He is like a shark with blood in the water and he has fantastic finish instincts. He's coming off that decision win over William Knight where he did survive an early onslaught to take that win. Felipe Linz is a former heavyweight. He's coming off a win in his light heavyweight debut. He had legit power in his hands at heavyweight and it seems to have carried down with him. He's a BJJ black belt, but he does prefer to hang out inside the pocket and trade or walk you down with heavy hands. He showcased his wrestling in his last fight against Marcin Prochnia with four takedowns and more than a full round of control time. And this is a tough fight to call, right? Both guys have power in their hands. Both guys can grapple if needed. Felipe is absolutely the better grappler, but he's also the worse, more hittable striker. So I'm going to side with Maxim here because of that striking. But this is an incredibly close fight. And if Felipe hits that same wrestling rhythm that he did against Prochniao, he can dominate this fight. So Maxim has been taken down seven times in four fights, and he may not be able to survive the BJJ Super close fight, razor thin pick. I am going to go with Maxim. I do prefer strikers in these sort of matchups. He's a big enough guy that he should be avoid being bullied. And uh, he's going to go ahead and be the pick here. But Felipe Linz has a very clear, clear path to victory. I recommend no bet on this fight. Then we have Joaquim Silva taking on Jesse Runson. Joaquim Silva is a BJJ guy with fantastic hands. He's a very inactive fighter, though. He only has three fights in four years. But when he is competing, he is explosive and always looking for the KO. Even though he does have a BJJ black belt and he is more than capable on the ground, he almost never attempts takedowns and he is just always looking to strike. He has so much power that he's live in every single fight he's in. His last win was against Jared Gordon in 2018 in a fight that was clearly not going to go his way, but he was able to snatch up that win because of the power. And I just keep mentioning that because this dude has power. Jesse Runson is coming off the submission loss to Hoffa Garcia. And before that, a submission win over Nicholas Dalby, but that was overturned because of a banned substance. Technique-wise, he is a busy striker with sneaky power and solid takedown defense. Even though he's a striker who prefers the strike, he does have solid offensive BJJ and has a lot of success snatching things up in scrambles. This is such a tricky fight to break down because you don't know what you're going to get. And these feel like a layup for Joaquin Silva, but his inactivity and recent losses have me worried. Jesse had nothing to offer in the Hoffa Garcia fight, but he did have solid cardio and didn't stop pressuring. And I could see Jesse being the overall less talented fighter here, but still pressuring forward, getting the takedowns and getting the win. So Jesse's going to be the pick, but I hate it. I hate it and I will not be betting on this fight either. Then we have John Sexy Mexi Castaneda taking on Daniel Santos. And John Castaneda is a really fun come-forward fighter. He's very well-rounded and he sets an incredible pace. He loves coming forward with fast hands and then shooting takedowns when he has the openings. He does not have a ton of power for he makes up for that with forward pressure and a wide variety of strikes. His last fight was interesting though because in his post-fight speech he said that he listened to Michael Bisping's commentary from previous fights about sort of stringing together combinations and he literally did exactly that. Daniel Santos is coming off a loss in his UFC debut where his strikes were almost tripled. He's an old school shootbox style striker and if you don't know what that is, 
He basically comes plodding forward. He's got a real tight guard. And when he hits the pocket, he just explodes with power and speed. He has solid leg kicks and a clear understanding of violence. He's got very good BJJ from bottom, but he can be taken down. And even though his BJJ is good, it's also old school. So that he's just going to play in his guard and try to work for something instead of creating a scramble and getting back to his feet. And this should be a really fun fight, but I am sexy Mexi all the way. His striking pressure and takedowns should have Daniels on his heel the entire time. Daniel will always be live for a finish, but similar to the Julio Arce fight, I think he has trouble finding his rhythm. So Castaneda is the pick. He's probably safe for your parlays. Then we have Julia Stolarenko taking on Chelsea Chandler. Julia Stolarenko is an interesting fighter to break down, right? She's got miserable takedown accuracy at 22%, but she's very slick off her back and has a ton of submission wins in her career. Her striking is a bit sloppy and she is very hittable with a negative striking differential of about two and a half to four, but she is willing to brawl and has heavy kicks. She did prove some of the haters wrong in her last fight though with a beautiful takedown and then an armbar inside of a minute. And that armbar was not surprising, but that takedown definitely was. Chelsea Chandler is a powerful and well-rounded fighter who comes forward throwing bombs and then she pushes you against the cage where she works for takedowns. She's incredibly strong and uses that strength to rip her opponents to the mat and then control them from there. She's not very fast or athletic, but she's tough, powerful, and never stops coming forward. Chelsea Chandler is the slight favorite here and I totally understand why. She can march forward, bomb away on Julia, and most likely avoid being submitted on top. The issue, though, is you never know what you're going to get in a UFC debut. You might get the Joe Pfeiffer we saw last week, who shows up big time, or the Daniel Zellhuber, who we saw last week, who was clearly the better fighter, but just frozen. His feet were stuck in mud, and he just wouldn't let his hands go. If Chelsea shows up the same way she has in her last four fights, then she's going to win. So I got to pick Chelsea here. I expect her to get the takedowns, but... Again, I cannot be any more clear than this. Do not bet on this fight. Just watch it. Enjoy it. If Chelsea dominates, then we've got some bets for her next fight. If she shows up starstruck, well, then let's go ahead, avoid her for a couple of fights. Then we've got Randy Costa coming back, taking on Guido Canetti. Randy Costa is a very good striker with power and finishing ability. He's long for the weight class, and he uses that range correctly with both kicks and and punches. He throws everything with a ton of power and he mixes in his strikes with his movement really well. He's listed at having a 100% takedown defense, but it's a little deceiving because he literally only defended one single takedown attempt in his UFC career so far. But he's at Sanford MMA and I'm sure he's getting plenty of wrestling looks. He's coming off two bad striking losses in a row and despite his incredible 6.73 significant strikes landed per minute, he somehow is managing to get hit almost eight times. Guido Canetti has seen light at the end of the tunnel, right? He's 43 years old, and he's coming off his first win in four years. He's competed in martial arts his entire life, from kung fu to taekwondo. Style-wise, he's a striker who moves well and has nice kicks. He does not have a ton of power, but he makes up for that with volume and movement. He works in takedowns well, and he can still win fights in this division. And this is another tough pick. It should be an easy pick for Costa because he's got a clear youth and volume advantage, but he is hit so much that it's just incredible he can still form sentences. Guido is far older than a striker in the UFC should be, right? Your chin starts to go, you start to slow down, but he's still managing to hang in there and he's not hit very often and generally has a solid chin. 
I want to pick Guido here, but I just I keep seeing the age on the graphic and it just keeps freaking me out. Guido should probably be the better, more technical striker, but Randy hits hard, and I'm not sure if the 43-year-old chin is going to be able to take it. So I've got no idea what to do here. Pick-wise, I'm going to go with youth in Randy Costa, but I am not confident. And speaking of confidence, you guys are voting, right? Premium members, we allow you to vote. We encourage you to vote for what feature you want added next. The last one you said you want an optimizer, we gave you an optimizer. You said you wanted instant notifications. We've done that through the linking Discord. And now it seems to be you're saying you want confidence next to our picks, right? You just see a list of picks. It's hard to tell what I'm positive is gonna hit versus, you know, hey, I gotta pick somebody. We're, we're probably adding that as well. We gotta see for the final voting, but that is the leader. We will likely have confidence up there as well. So next time you log in to premium membership, you will see confidence next to our picks so you know how we feel and what you should be betting on versus like, eh, okay, there's a pick there, but I'm gonna go ahead and leave it. So guys, if you're already a premium member, make sure you vote. We are adding features and functions every single month and we are never ever, ever touching that $10 price point. So if you're not a member, we want picks.com at the top, click become a member. It's freaking $10. It's $10 for an entire month. Do you know how little that is? It includes a DraftKings optimizer. There's other people charging $10 just for the optimizer, let alone the bets, the ownership, the projections, and everything else we give you. We're never gonna touch that price. It will always be $10 forever we want picks.com at the top. Click become a member and you should see confidence picks pretty soon. Then we have Sadiq Youssef taking on short notice Don Shanis. And poor Sadiq was going from co-main event to either undercard or early main card here. But Sadiq Youssef is a fantastic striker with a ton of power, incredible speed, and a wide variety of attacks. His fight against Mike Davis, who we broke down earlier, might be the best contender series fight of all time. And he really showcased his diversity there. He is six and one in the UFC, and he has outstruck every single opponent, including Arnold Allen in that loss. He's got decent takedown defense at 68%, but a solid enough get-up game that if you do take him down, you're not just gonna ride him out. Don Shanis is stepping up on short notice after Sadiq's previous fight was canceled and rescheduled. He's a tough Northeast guy who has seriously injured himself before recovering and working back up the ranks. And there's documentaries on that on YouTube and what he went through to get back to where he is. He's a well-rounded guy who will bomb away on his feet and grapple on the ground. He's very tough and will always come forward. He doesn't initiate many takedowns, but he does a great job of like catching kicks and then working takedowns from scrambles. I got to go with Sadiq Youssef here, right? Don is tough. He's not going to quit, but Sadiq is so fast, so talented, and very experienced at this level. I see Sadiq controlling the striking pace and getting this done, likely in a decision, but Don's toughness could potentially break Sadiq if he gets frustrated. So Sadiq Youssef is the pick. The odds are just starting to dribble in because this is sort of late notice, but we'll see where he lands, and I'd be comfortable betting on Sadiq, you know, uh, two, minus 200 or less. So we'll see where he ends up. Uh, but I'm, I'm very, we talked about adding confidence picks. This would be four out of five, five out of five confidence level. Then we have, this bout has been rescheduled, I think three times. The most recent time was from UFC 273. We've got Alexi Olenek taking on Alir Latifi. And Alexi Olenek, he's a ridiculously experienced grappler. He's got a high finish rate. His chin is gone at his age. His cardio is not great. 
His wrestling could use some work, but he can literally submit anyone from everywhere. And it's just, it's ugly, but he gets there and he gets it done. And just think of Paul Craig, except older, basically. Much, much, much older. Dude, it's 45. Anyway, he's coming off his first win in two years. And it was just such a typical Alexi Olenek fight, right? He was losing the short striking exchanges. They somehow end up on the ground. And then he ends up just submitting Jared Vandera. Alir Latifi is a wrestler who was a 205 pounder, but this is his third fight up at heavyweight. He throws big punches. He sets up takedowns from there. And then he just tries to stay busy, but he can slow down later in fights. His first fight at heavyweight was against Derek Lewis. And while he did get a few takedowns, he couldn't hold them down. And he lost a decision where he landed only five total significant strikes in 15 minutes. But I honestly think the more important takeaway there is that he survived. He's got a chin on him. He didn't let Derek Lewis just take his head off of his body. And he stayed in the mix. And I honestly, I think that's kind of important here. Not because Alexi Olenek hits like a truck, but because Elir Latifi is a survivor, win or lose. And it's easy to say that Alexi Olenek is only one in three in his last four. But if you look at the three losses, he lost to Sergei Spivak, Chris Dawkins, and Derek Lewis. All three of those people would have and already have beaten Alir Latifi. The biggest problem here is that Olenek is 45. And, and I know heavyweights can have like success later in their careers, but it's just hard to back a 45-year-old. Alir Latifi is coming off his own win over Tanner Bozer after a three-fight skid. He did only land 10 total strikes in that fight, which is just so absurd. And he did have two takedowns. But it's still low volume. And, and this is another spot where my brain and gut are going to be split here. My brain is saying, you just can't back a 45-year-old. You just can't do it. But my gut is saying, Olenek is just so much more dangerous in this fight. And he's a true heavyweight. But I got to go with the brain here. I can't back a 45-year-old. Latifi is tough. He's strong. And if he doesn't want it on the ground, it won't be on the ground. Alir Latifi is the one who's going to control where this fight goes. So... He fully recognizes how dangerous Alexi Olenek has on the ground. And even though his striking is not great and low volume, he'll definitely hit harder. And he should be able to control this fight. And it's going to be boring. It's going to be slow-paced. But Alir Latifi is going to get this done. Then that takes us to what should be a much more exciting heavyweight fight. We've got Jarzinho Rosenstruck taking on Chris Dawkins. Jarzinho Rosenstruck is a very heavy-handed striker. He's coming off back-to-back -back losses to Volkov and Blades, but before that, he had a nice win over Augusto Sakai, and I like to keep referencing that win because what was interesting about that is we saw him pushing the pace. He was moving forward, and historically, he was sort of a counter-striker who waits for you to come to him, and he would fall behind and lose decisions or find a big punch. The biggest issue with Rosenstruck's style, though, is if he can't win the striking exchanges, he's got no backup plan. He's got zero takedowns in the UFC. His takedown defense is okay, but he has been taken down by all the better guys in the divisions, like Blades, gone, and even Alistair Overeem, who's a striker. Chris Dawkins is a very good boxer. He's fast at heavyweight, and he ties in combinations well. Dawkins has never been taken down or attempted a takedown in the UFC, but if he does end up on the ground, he's going to be prepared. He's got a BJJ black belt, and he can work from there. He's coming off back-to-back -back knockout losses to Derek Lewis, and yeah, that's not really surprising, but Curtis Blades, which was surprising, right? Everybody expected Curtis Blades to take him down, not flatline him on his feet. Rosenstruck is a 2-1 to favorite in this matchup, and I, I totally understand that he has the power, 
and Dawkins is coming off two knockout losses in a row, but Rosenstruck is also gun-shy, and he can be slow at times. It's very possible that Dawkins dances around, uses his speed, his footwork, and his combinations to avoid those big punches and land. Neither one of these guys are likely to go to a decision, so I think the wise bet here is going to be under on rounds, even if it's a one-and-a-half round line. I'm going to pick Rosenstruck here because outside of his last fight, his chin has held up. But his volume definitely worries me. He doesn't always let his hands go. And you can see the difference in volume here on the graphics. 2.8 significant strikes per minute for Jarzinho. 6.47 for Chris Dawkins. And that is what concerns me in this fight. But I do think Jarzinho is going to be the more powerful guy. Hopefully plots forward like he did with Augusto Sakai. Then we have one of the guys that I've been very high on in the past. We got Hani Barcelos taking on Trevin Jones. Hani Barcelos is an incredibly well-rounded fighter. He's fantastic. He's got great low kicks, very good BJJ. He hits hard, and he's got very good wrestling offense and defense. In that Teamer Valiev, Teamer was 0 for 6 in takedown, against, takedown attempts against Hani, and Hani dropped him twice in that fight. Hani Barcelos is absolutely the real deal. He is, however, coming off a pretty surprising loss to Victor Henry, where the consensus was that Hani was going to be the much better fighter in that, but he just was not himself, and Victor Henry was able to get that done. That loss does worry me when I'm breaking down this fight. Trevin Jones is a fun striker. He's got a ton of power. He throws everything with 100% and bad intentions. He's not the most technical striker, but he doesn't always need his striking because he's also a BJJ black belt. He just happened to fall in love with his own power and become a striker as of late. He's coming up that loss to Bajarat where he was very typical Trevin Jones, right? He was gun shy, didn't really let his hands go, but he did try to wrestle, wrestle but you know, his shots were sloppy and didn't get it done. And I love Hani in this matchup. I got a money line bet on him. The line has already moved in my favor. So again, premium members, you saw that bet. It's been there for about four or five days and the line has already moved. I think it's still safe to follow, but premium members, you're welcome because I'm very confident in this Hani Barcelos bet, just like I am with that Tabitha Ricci one. If you're not a premium member, sign up now. WeWantPicks.com at the top, click, become a member. You're gonna get our bets the very second we place them. And the reason why that's important is because you can get some solid closing line value if you get on these lines early. And we've talked about it time and time again. We do our betting videos on Fridays and sometimes the odds have more than doubled by the time we do those videos. So it's only $10 a month. It's only 10, you only need one good week out of the month to pay for a year or multiple years of membership. And this is the long game. This is the long game. There will be ups and downs, but as long as we're up more than we're down, we'll be good. And if you have followed every single bet we have ever thrown up for premium members, you would be up. I forget the math. It's like it's it's 20 something units you would be up. That's how consistently well we have done for premium members. Obviously, you miss some. Sometimes we just have a bad week in general, but overall, we are way up. It is the long game, $10 a month. We own piss.com at the top. Click become a member. Honey Barcelos is the pick. You've seen the bet up there for four or five days now, depending when you're watching this, over a week now. He's going to be more technical. He's going to be faster. He's going to be more well-rounded. I think he wins this fight any way that he wants to.
Then we've got Randy Brown taking on Francisco Trinaldo. Randy Brown is a very good striker who uses his range really well. He's stupid tall for this weight class, and he takes advantage of that. He uses long jabs and kicks to keep you at bay, and then when he's ready, he's going to use his speed to initiate solid boxing exchanges. He has nice trip and Uchimata takedowns with solid jujitsu on the mat. He's very good and a lot of fun to watch. He's coming off the win over Chaos Williams where he did survive being knocked down to win a decision because he had the overall more fluid and effective striking. Francisco Trinaldo is 44 years old. This card is loaded with these tough old dudes that keep winning. But he's 44 years old, which is always a red flag. But he's not really showing signs of aging yet. And he's coming off back to back solid wins over Dwight Grant and Danny Roberts. Style-wise, Francisco's got solid wrestling and he is strong as hell. He's legit good everywhere. His striking isn't technical, but he's got real power. And you can see that if you go back to his knockout over Jai Herbert, and he did that at 42 years old. He went 0-1 in takedown attempts against Danny Roberts, but he was able to more than double the strikes. And we've made a lot of money here betting on Francisco Trinaldo. We've picked him in his wins and we successfully faded him in that loss against Salikov because we recognize it just was not a good matchup for him, but it feels like a trap. It feels like we're starting to walk into some traps here. I love Randy. I'm worried that it's just too obvious. Francisco, while 44, has shown that he still has a chin, a gas tank, and some dog in him, but I do think Randy's going to be too fast, too long, and too talented for, too talented for Francisco because, you know, what, what's Francisco going to do, right? He wants to outwork. He wants to outbully. And, and I just don't think he's going to be able to do it. So I'm going to ride with Randy here. I think it's going to be the first time that Francisco's going to show his age. So Randy Brown's the pick. He's probably safe for parlays. But I am worrying myself with how confident I am in that. Because, you know, if, if you don't see Francisco Trinaldo's age on the screen... There's going to be people that are going to pick him, right? Oh, look how good he's looked recently. Yeah, he can beat Randy Brown. But the age does matter. Randy Brown is good. Very, very good. So I got to pick Randy here. I'm very confident in him and maybe too confident. But I do think Randy gets this done. Then we got the co-main event. We got Brendan Allen taking on Christoph Jotko. Brendan Allen is a BJJ black belt. He's got solid low kicks, solid takedowns, and much improved striking overall. He moved to Sanford MMA a few camps ago now. I think he's almost about two years he's been there. And you can see those improvements, right? Historically, his game plan was grappling. He was a grapple first kind of guy. He'd get the takedown, he'd be tough on top, and he'd work from there. But at some point in the last year and a half, he turned into a striker, and he's had some mixed results, right? He's coming off that win over Jacob Malkoon, but he gave up seven takedowns and seven minutes of control time. He did win a few scrambles on the ground, but overall, he seemed to make some pretty poor decisions in that fight. Christoph Jocko has fantastic speed and is very athletic. He's got good takedown defense and very high volume output. He typically looks to dance around the outside and sort of tough up his opponents, rough them up, touch and go. Jotko's got solid takedown defense at 83%. And even if he is taken down, he's got good enough takedown, uh, submission defense to survive. He's coming off that dominant win over Jero Mearshart where he actually doubled the strikes and he got four of his own takedowns. I like Jotko here, right? Brendan Allen fancies himself as a striker lately. And if he comes into this fight with that strike first game plan, he's going to be picked apart. Jotko's faster, cleaner, and he's got just a better overall striking technique. If he gets shot on, he should be able to defend and then, although unlikely, I think he can get his own takedowns as well. I do like Brendan Allen, like as a fighter. And we've picked him a few times in the past. But if you look at his last three fights, it's not as great as the record will tell you, right? First of all, Chris Curtis knocked him out. Fine. 
Chris Curtis has done that a few times. Sam Alvey, that is a win, but Sam Alvey gave him a lot of trouble in that first round. A lot of more trouble than he should have in that first round. And then in his last fight, I, I think Jacob Malkoon won that fight. So Brendan Allen, while he's two and one in his last three, hasn't been the best performances. But if he's prepared, if he ties in his wrestling, right? If he strike, 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 wrestle, strike, 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 wrestle, then he can absolutely win this fight because. Brendan Allen's a very talented guy, but we just have not seen him tie his striking and his wrestling together well since the Carl Robertson fight. He's either only striking or only wrestling. We have not seen him work both of them together and in, you know, as an MMA fighter should. So I gotta go with Jotko here for the pick. I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm a three out of five as far as confidence is concerned because Brendan Allen could show up, you know, intertwining his wrestling and his striking, but he just hasn't. In a while. So Christoph Jotko, because of the technical striking and the dancing, should get this done. Then we have the main event of the evening. We have Mackenzie Dern taking on Jan Janan. Mackenzie Dern is an amazing grappler who is trouble for anyone on the ground. Her striking has improved since her debut, and she's definitely gotten more comfortable in the exchanges. I've mentioned in the past, though, that can be an issue, right? She's almost gotten too comfortable, where we'll see her come charging forward now with big shots and not even looking for takedowns right away. She does have a negative striking differential and an absolutely horrific 9% takedown accuracy. Horrific. That's gotta be some of the worst takedown accuracy I've ever seen in my entire life. It's, it's bad. For a grappler, it's bad. Anyway, she is insanely tough though. She's got no quit in her at all. And she has made steady improvements in every single fight. She's coming off that split decision win over Tisha Torres where even though she did not get a takedown, she was still threatening with submissions. Jan Janan is a very good boxer with well-timed strikes. She has very clean technique, but she does not shy away from a dirty fight and she is willing to bang. Outside of her two UFC losses, which were to current champion Carla Esparza and contender Marina Rodriguez, she's had a dominant run in the UFC. She's got wins over Claudia Gajaya, Carolina Kovashevitz, and Angela Hill. For the most part, she keeps fights standing and outstrikes her way to a decision. But we did see her get five of her own takedowns against Carolina two years ago and two against Marina earlier this year. And here's the thing. We all know that I just hate, well, Mackenzie Dern's fake, stupid-ass accent, but I also hate the fact that she's got no wrestling. Her 9% accuracy is legit embarrassing. And I'm not just like being an ass. It, it's embarrassing to be that bad at takedowns when you are that good at jujitsu. I will never understand how somebody could be so incredible on the ground and so absolutely horrific. It's a horror show. Watching her try to get to take fights to the ground is a horror show. It's It's scary. And I just don't understand how you could be so good on the ground and so horrible at getting it there. But it doesn't even matter because she's shown that her striking has gotten pretty good. She's one of the toughest women in this division. You could just light her up with a baseball bat. And she's speaking of horror movies, she's like Jason. She's just going to keep coming forward. And it doesn't matter what you do to her. So I do think Mackenzie Dern gets this fight done. I do think she wins. I think her overall toughness and the jiu-jitsu threat is going to be the difference here because the reality is she doesn't even need the takedowns. She beat Tisha Torres threatening submissions without a takedown. So I think Mackenzie Dern gets this done. 
I, she, I, I think there's just levels to this. And while I recognize her wrestling is just absolute trash city, she's just a better overall fighter. Is her striking going to be as clean? No. Is she going to be tougher? Absolutely. Is she going to be able to threaten jujitsu even without being on the ground? Absolutely. If it gets on the ground, light years of difference. So Mackenzie Dern is absolutely the pick here. Uh, I'm pretty confident in her. I totally understand people that think Yanan wins. But in order for Yanan to win, she is going to have to be on her A game for 25 minutes. Stay away, dance around, jab and move, jab and move, and just touch up Mackenzie's face over and over and over. But you know Mackenzie's not going to stop. Fifth round, her face could be a bloody mess. She's still going to keep coming forward. So I got to go with Mackenzie Dern here. Pretty confident in that pick. Those are my picks. Guys, don't forget, become a premium member. It is $10 a month. $10 a month. You guys love to hem and haw if one bet misses. Jacob's incredible. Jacob gave you guys 10 underdogs in a row. 10 in a row. 10 in a row. And if you put one unit on every single one of those underdogs, only that. You'd be up, I forget, he told me the math, and I forget, it's like 20 units, something freaking insane there. Four of those 10 were plus 300 or more. That streak came to, it went down in flames. Pat Sabatini, that streak went down in flames, and you people had the nerve to complain. He gave you 10 in a row, loses one, people still complain. So I know what you people are. You're penny-pinching crybabies, but the reality is, we all know, $10 a month is an insane value for bets picks a DraftKings optimizer you can mute me ignore the picks and just use the optimizer which builds DraftKings lineups for you and it'd be the best ten dollars you ever spent we on picks.com at the top click become a member and for all of you looking for that fifty dollar bonus all you need to do is go to we slash bets sign up with any one of the partners on the screen there make a deposit and we'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you you just have to use our link and you have to make a deposit. We on picks.com slash bets.